Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. If this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about the spiritual path and to have amazing electric conversations with brilliant people in the field and to occasionally post solo episodes like I am today. This episode is about manifestation, and I'm approaching manifestation as the quality of creating art with your life. And before I got into studying manifestation as a spiritual or kind of metaphysical practice, I trained as a writer. So I was like a creative, basically. And I noticed that there's a a connection between the creative process when it comes to creating a work of art and bringing a work of art into fruition and creating something out of our lives that is taking, you know, a vision, something from the unseen realm into creative manifestation here in the 3D. It's something that we can look at and feel. The particular method that I have found the most exhilarating for manifestation is getting into character committing to that character and living from that character. There's something so edgy and exhilarating about it because it's this concept of being able to create our identities and live from that place. And so when I talk about this, it is really important to mention that it it has to be authentic. It's who you are on the inside. You know, this can be connected to your longing and your desire. True longing and desire is very connected to who we are. When it's coming from this real place, getting into character isn't putting on a mask and being inauthentic. It's actually just being a more bold version of yourself and claiming the identity or the life that you want to create. And manifestation, you know, there's so many edges with it. There's so much complexity around it. And so I really talked about that a lot in this episode. And my desire is for this episode to be really empowering and permission giving. Part of where this episode comes from as well is that a few days ago, I found this packet of papers in my closet about a method acting writing workshop that I gave a few years ago. And so I looked over these notes. I thought again about my own creative manifestation process and I recorded something about it and every now and then would read phrases from the notes. I do have to say this episode feels um, pretty dense. Like it's a lot of information packed into a space. And so I, I didn't want to not share it But I also just want to say that I don't think it's a conversation or an episode that is extremely linear. I jump around a lot from different ideas. And I even when I was listening back to it, I was like, wow, there's there's a lot here. So I would love for you to take from it what, you know, sticks out to you. But maybe this is an episode that is more for your right brain than it is for your left. If you're doing something else Um, like you're in a meditative space or you're watercoloring or you're, you know, whatever you're doing, maybe you're even driving or something. I wouldn't hold yourself accountable to remembering every single thing from this podcast because it's not an episode like that. 
it's this weird jungle of imagination that I went into. And so I still think there's good information in here, but I just wanted to add that as a fair warning that I recorded this right as Mercury was stationing (laughs) and I'm a Mercury retrograde native and I have done a lot of work, honestly, to speak and to communicate in a way that is linear and logical and like there's a clear um, path. But I think that today's episode reveals a lot more of things about my Mercury retrograde nativity and that's okay. but I just wanted to name that. So if you're still here and willing to take this journey into a wild and extravagant imaginal realm, let's begin. Today, I am excited to share some things with you about manifestation. Manifestation is one of my favorite practices, and I think I'm actually so connected with it and value it so much that I would consider it part of my life force. Now, there's a lot of information about manifestation out there that is either superficial or it feels too new age or too woo-woo or whatever. And manifestation is an actually real power in the universe, It's this quality of something novel emerging from a living system. It goes as far back as the Big Bang and the universe appearing, essentially. And it's also a sense of culture, art, the emergence of creativity. I like to look at manifestation as making art of your actual life. So before I got into manifestation, before I even thought about it as a spiritual or a metaphysical concept, I studied writing and I was a writer for years, still am a writer, but I was a lot more, you know, secular. I was imaginative and I wasn't closed off to magic or mysticism, but it wasn't really on my radar that strongly. I wasn't raised with religious conditioning. I was raised in an agnostic family. So it was this kind of, well, we don't know. You know, there's certain questions about the nature of reality that we simply don't know the answer to. And we don't really have beliefs about it. So it wasn't really that much of a thing. The values maybe that took up more space in my consciousness were, am I happy? Do I have friendships? Am I doing well in school? Do I hate school? You know, those kind of things. And during this time period, I really radically intensively studied creative writing because it was just this calling. And I studied it online. I took classes. I had, you know, was part of an online writing community, which I've talked about a few times. And so I studied different processes of the creative process. There's the brainstorming phase before you even start. There's the putting the pen to paper and starting. There's the, you know, get it all out on paper and edit it later. There's constructing like a narrative arc and bringing something into completion. You discover when you're working on a project how how well you do with following things through. You know, I like to think that follow through is just a 
process to study. A lot of people who say that they don't know how to follow things through or that they often start projects and don't finish them, I think that there is in that case simply a lack of mapping about what follow through would actually look like and that there are psychological hooks and things that come up when we're on the verge of follow through the anxiety, the sense of I've never done this before, like I don't even know what to do, but oh, this other thing, starting a new project, that's familiar. I know how to do that. I'll just go do that. You know, it's a psychological edge to follow something through. And so for me as a writer, and I would be working on projects, I had a community of people around me that were invested in what I was doing and were kind to me and encouraging. And so I felt the actual support in my environment to finish my projects because I wanted to impress my friends. I wanted to feel proud of myself. So I would figure out a way to finish whatever I was working on. And this was happening when I was 12, 13 years old, you know, so it wasn't really like that thought out. And now, however, if I were to be more strategic about it, I would say, have a mentor, work with a coach, have you know, a team, when there's people that are holding you accountable, it's easier to finish things. That's why people can work well under deadline, that kind of thing. And these are all features of the creative process that can be built into what you're doing. What I mean by it not being very thought out was that it wasn't strategic on my end of, oh, I want to follow this project through. So I'll surround myself with a community. It just so happened that I had a community around me and that I wanted to impress them. And that that was all as a very kind of raw experience. And I wasn't reflecting on it that much. It was a very authentic, raw feeling of, I want to get this project done so I can feel good about it. I was excited about it. And I also wanted to impress my friends. I had one person who would be reading my work who whenever I would come out with another chapter, he was just so supportive and so kind about it. And he's like, wow, like you're really making this happen. And it made me feel like, oh yeah, I am, you know? So those reflections I got from my environment were crucial for the process to occur in the way that it did. In some way, I think that this also contributes to my thinking around manifestation, not being something that happens in a vacuum. It does relate to our community and how we're interacting with other people. And there's many complexities in that that we can come back to. So manifestation, when we're looking at it in terms of our life, is about creating something new in our experience. It can be a new feature of our experience. Sometimes people are manifesting a relationship or they're manifesting money, whatever it is. But inevitably, we are working with the imaginal realm, you know, our vision of what we would like to create. And then we are working with the limitations of space and time and culture and all of that. And we're negotiating them because there may be something that we don't think is possible in space and time, yet that we are able to manifest. And herein lies a lot of complexity. And we'll keep coming back to that. I'm really passionate about manifestation because when I was younger, I would have this very challenging but necessary experience, I would say, of 
having a very vast fantasy world and a extreme kind of longing or sense of desire. Like I knew what I wanted my life to feel like and look like. And I didn't really necessarily see a road ahead in my life at the moment that would promise me those things. When it came to having the desire to have things or to have experiences that weren't yet in my experience, I was pretty open to esoteric teachings about manifestation because it appealed to my desire and to my longing. And I found as I was reflecting on this this morning before recording that I really would say that I was playing pretend, manifesting, dreaming up my reality for much of my early 20s. And I don't mean playing pretend as in like living a lie or being inauthentic, but I mean that I pictured what I wanted in my life and who I wanted to be. And based on what I had studied about manifestation, I decided to play it out, get into character and just be it now. And at this point in my life, creativity is still so important to me. But I find that I've actually rested into the results of the things that I created and dreamed up in the past. By that, I mean, I'm an astrologer as a profession. And right now, after years of developing my practice, it's going really well. I'm working with a lot of clients. I feel like I am good at my work. I love the people I get to work with. I've gotten to teach astrology courses. I have some public speaking opportunities. And it wasn't this way right from the start, of course. Like when I first started, it was only a seed of knowing inside of me that this was what I wanted. And I would tell people that I was an astrologer and they would kind of have like weird expressions back um, or kind of think, well, isn't astrology not real or that's not a real career? And it's funny because now I also still tell people that I'm an astrologer, but they react with curiosity and it's perhaps, you know, shifted in the culture in terms of people being more open to astrology. But I also feel as though the reality of me being an astrologer has become more real with time. Now, there was a time in the past where this is what I wanted. And I found that, you know, I had to acclimate myself to the identity of being an astrologer. And before that, the identity of being a novelist. If I wanted to do something that I hadn't done before, I had to flirt with that identity and start to pull it into my present experience and really commit. So I went to acting camp as a kid for a few years, like acting summer camp. So I learned some things about acting in a kind of somewhat passive way because I didn't go on to actually really be an actor or an actress, but I, I know some things and really not that much though. But one of the things that I remembered from acting was that you have to really commit to the character. If you don't commit all the way, your performance isn't believable. And so there's a certain boldness that actors bring to the work that they're doing. Sometimes it's even extra, you know, it's dramatic or something. 
doesn't have to be. And so when it comes to manifesting something in our lives and doing something creative, there's a sense of needing to commit to that, to commit to the role that we are playing. And I found that while I may have not really actually been made out to be an actress, that that's not the path that there's a certain spirit of it, of getting into character and playing out characters that has become extremely crucial and something that I consider to be a big part of my creative process. And from having gone through it, I've noticed some of the the things that come up along the way. And so I want to offer a kind of layout of what it means to manifest something by getting into a character role and how to create things, create novelty in your life and in the universe by play and by acting and how to do that in a way that integrates into your actual life and enhances your actual life and is grounded. So first, what does it mean to get into character to manifest something? This will be the use of persona, identity, habit, and or lifestyle to produce the results that you are seeking. Now, I'll use writing as an example, producing writing, a work of writing. The writing that is going to be created comes from a new self or a heightened self. And so the discovery of the writing and the discovery of the writer are happening simultaneously. We could use another example of you're wanting to manifest more connection in your life. You want to manifest a friendship an exciting group of friends. You want to manifest a partnership. It's about starting to adopt new parts of your character and parts of your lifestyle to facilitate that desire. Getting into character to produce something. So we'll use the work of writing as an example again. We're creating a work of writing, we're producing something in which the scope of the project is beyond the ordinary reference points of our current ego or identity. Thus, a new ego or a new identity is needed. It's interesting that here's an edge here, right? We think that our personality, our ego is who we are when it actually is a construction It's a construction based off our own karmic patterns, our personal histories, and the culture around us. So it doesn't, I'm not an advocate for getting rid of the ego or thinking that the ego is bad, but just knowing that it's not always the ultimate reality, you know, it's a filter. And because it's a filter, we can change the lens, you know? And so... If I want to manifest a thriving partnership and I've never had a healthy relationship before, my ego doesn't have the reference points yet for a healthy relationship. So I could wait for a healthy relationship to somehow fall into my life to adopt new personality and new ego structures to accommodate the healthy relationship or I could go ahead and edit my ego structures. How do we edit our ego structures? Well, we become more self-aware of our thoughts and patterns and 
we see that we can change those thoughts and patterns. We can let go of certain thoughts and patterns and we can adopt other ones. This requires a certain level of detachment where we believe that we are more than our personalities, right? Now, when it comes into getting into character to manifest something, our goal is to use discipline, structure, commitment, or acting to manifest a work of art or even a life goal by stepping into personality traits and thought patterns that accommodate what is seeking to be birthed. Our goal is to thin or eventually evaporate the chasm between an idealized future self-identity who produces this creative project or is living into the fruits of this goal or this dream and the current self. So we're looking at the chasm between this creatively on self versus an ordinary or mundane self. Again, another edge, right? Like deciding that we could be great, that our life could be something more is flirting with some profound psychological territory. Am I not good enough as I already am? Can I dare to dream big? What if I fail? Which is why it's important to come back to when we're talking about manifestation, we're talking about Leo as an archetype and Leo is also related to play. The stakes can feel very high in life and in many situations, the stakes are very high. But if we're in that vibrational space of feeling that, it's a little bit harder to play. So if we can be playful, if we can be childlike, if we can have fun with what we're doing, it's easier to say, oh, I have this dream or this is who I want to be and I'm going to get into character and be this person. It doesn't have to be so serious or so painful. Um, but depending on how intense the desire is or, or self-esteem or all of that, it can feel really intense to want things, you know? And so getting into this kind of detachment and play when we're using manifestation. I'm using continually this example of writing because this is what I've done. I would get into character to write and now I just write as myself and it, it flows. But when I first was really developing my voice, I had to pretend to be a writer. I had to pretend to be the author that I wanted to be. And now I'm just kind of relaxed into that. If I want to write something else, sometimes I have to get into a different kind of character, you know? But I use this example of writing, but you can method, act, or rather get into character to create any craft or goal. And I hope that you can take these insights um, into any other pursuit you feel called to that could benefit from a heightened identity. What we're looking at here with getting into character to manifest is a systems approach, meaning that your entire lifestyle is taken into consideration. And these are the basic steps. One, imagine the dream. What is it that you would like to manifest? Two, flesh out its details. 
very intricately, as much as you can imagine. And then three, act it out. And back to the writing specifically, the acting it out process would actually mean developing the lifestyle of a writer, like figuring out if you thrive on having a set time of day to write. Do you have coffee or tea in the morning and go to a cafe and write? Are you more of a nighttime writer by candlelight, by yourself? You know, what's your vibe? What's your creative vibe? And really though, does your life have room for writing time? There aren't really any shortcuts in this practice. So if writing a novel is what you're envisioning manifesting, you're going to need actual time to do it. And if you feel like you need more vocabulary and skill set for your craft, you might need to take a class or find some mentors. So what about if you're manifesting more money? Well, how does someone with a lot of money think differently than how you are thinking? How would the version of you who has a lot of money think about money and the exchange of resources? You know, who is that character and how can you start to inhabit that character before the money appears? That's the trick, you know? Part of studying manifestation is getting this sense of there is this realm of possibility, you know, source essentially where things become manifest and they come manifest from the unmanifest. And so when we're waiting for things to appear before we can feel a certain way or before we can identify a certain way, we're not exactly manifesting, we're just adjusting to what already is. Manifesting requires flirting with the unseen realms before they appear here. So if you wanna manifest more wealth, you might get into your money mindset, right? There's always a psychological layer to it, you know? And there's, of course, the, the social, cultural frameworks, the systems of power, what resources and privileges you already have. Like, that's also part of the equation. And if we're talking about manifestation, we don't need to pretend that it's not, right? One of the primary ways that I consider manifestation comes through thinking about the grand fixed cross of the zodiac, and so Leo being manifestation, but manifestation is in these very dynamic contacts with other archetypes, Taurus related to resources, wealth, abundance, Scorpio related to power, Aquarius related to community and trauma. And so there's this polarization when we talk about manifestation where you might really see it talked about in the kind of new age world where social constructs don't exist and they're an illusion or manifestation is being spoken about in the kind of critical theory world and it's seen as bullshit. I think that finding a, um, a synthesis or an understanding in that conflict is a challenging thing. And so the way that I like to talk about manifestation is, you know, that I want to be empowering. I want to provide information about it that can be access points for people to empower themselves and to experience this force in the universe, this force of creativity. And at the same time to acknowledge that it does get filtered through human systems and cultural systems and that these cultural systems 
have themselves been manifested by karmic patterns in human history. And it takes time. Sometimes it takes generations. It takes movements to change those patterns. And I think that if we are practicing manifestation, it doesn't just have to be for our personal selves. You know, that's one way that we can practice. We can also work with manifestation to create cultural change. Um, That's a whole other topic, too, that I should probably dive into in another way. Um, almost maybe in a separate episode, but a lot of these principles um, that I'm sharing in this episode specifically have to do with utilizing manifestation techniques for personal goals. But ultimately, we as personal individuals are part of collective systems. And so we are impacting and creating ripples in the collective irregardless. So if we were to dream up collective goals and manifest them, that is also a possibility and I think an important one. Another caveat, some people want to think that manifestation is just about having mantras or saying affirmations and then hoping that it will, that it will work. But that's kind of like putting your hands over your ears and singing like, la la la, I can't hear you to life, you know, like we're going to have resistances. If we're doing something new, if we're pushing our edge and our thresholds, there's going to be resistances that come up. The things that we desire the most, what we want to manifest, if it's not already here and we're not already experiencing it in our 3D current reality, there's a pretty big chance that there's an internal block to it. There is also external blocks to it. Both are happening but there's an internal block to it. It could be as simple as I've never had this thing or had this experience before. So how do I know it's possible? Like our ego can't even grapple with it. You know, we may have traumas from the past related to the thing that we're desiring. We may have ancestral trauma. There may be cultural blocks around us. You know, there's all these things that come up. So manifesting isn't about pretending that that stuff isn't real. When I think about getting into character, if we go back to our actor metaphor, an actor might need to get sad in a scene and cry and produce real tears. Maybe they don't want to use like the fake tears. They want to really cry. And they try to cry Um, but the tears don't come. So there's a block. How do they cry? What will make them cry? That's the question. That's the curiosity that they get to play with. So I'm not talking about a superficial manifestation that ignores the blocks or ignores the obstacles, but rather one that is curious about them. And we have these, you know? But when we come back to it being a play or being a game... We can be more creative, more open to spontaneous thinking and ideas about how to navigate the situation that's different than a way that we've done before. Let's come back to one of the kind of spiritual or esoteric concepts about this. I hope I'm not jumping around too much. I hope that this has been easy to follow. One of the spiritual teachings that comes with manifestation relates to the permission that we feel to think and feel a certain way 
that is coming from our material or external circumstances. So when we are looking to the material or the external world, the way that things already are, as a reference point from which we get to react and to feel certain things and to think certain things, we are really bonded, we're really connected with that material layer of reality. And that's not actually all that there is. There's other things beyond our perception. There are possibilities that you know exist in the universe. There's vast amounts of creativity in the universe. When we go into a visualization state or a creative state, we're starting to play with dipping into that imaginal realm where other ideas, other sensations, other feelings are floating around. And so part of the spiritual layer of manifesting is starting to actually put credence and value into this world beyond what we can see, touch, smell, hear, etc. When we do that, we gain access to what we call inspiration, right? But here's this really interesting feedback loop. When we react and build character structures around what already exists, we are conditioning ourselves in a feedback loop with what already exists. So there may be certain things in the culture, there may be certain things in our family, and there's certain things in our own personal history, and there's certain things about the world as we see it. And if we're digesting that as our self-concept, we're going to play back into that system Allowing ourselves to have experiences with things that aren't there in the material sense, but are there in our dreams or in our visions, we actually add novelty into what exists here. So a very literal example is when an artist channels something from an inspirational, imaginal place and they concretize it into a work of art and then other beings interact with that work of art that art that came from the imaginal realm has now become part of the 3D physical reality. And it starts to create consequences in the reality. People are talking about that art. People are having emotional experiences from that art. It's created a ripple effect, right? So if we go into a visualization space for ourselves, so let's say that we go into a visualization space and Imagine what our life would look like if it was ideal. Imagine a lot of good feelings, a lot of satisfaction, a lot of happiness, a lot of bliss. Whatever you want. Let yourself feel that. Now, as you feel those emotions coursing through your body, chemicals coursing through your body, do you recognize that you're having an emotional chemical response to a stimuli that isn't real, quote real. You imagined it, but you still feel a certain way. Now imagine if you gave yourself the liberty to dream all the time, every day, and you started to really identify more in your self-concept with that dream, such that certain opportunities come up in your life. 
And because you're very familiar with what it feels like to be happier, to be successful or to be blissful, you're more likely to say yes or to even notice these opportunities that come up for you to concretize and make that dream material in this plane of reality. Now, if you were exclusively limited to the material world and things weren't going well in your life, you had constant triggers, um, things are just really bad and inflammatory and life sucks, basically. If that's where your head is also living and where your heart is also living, it's going to keep perpetuating. It's often when we're facing that kind of reality of like, I don't like what this is, that we start to maybe even become curious of what could life be like instead? And so we dream and we visualize or we ask for insight from other people or guidance and we get other ideas. And then because we have those abstract ideas, we gain new creativity for how to participate with the material reality. So this is not excessively like esoteric or woo-woo or anything like that. It's just part of reality, this dynamic interplay between the unseen, the abstract, and the real and the material. And so bringing it back to the spiritual purpose of this is that if we feel, if we give ourselves permission to feel exalted, happy, blissful emotions based on our focus, our fantasy, our visualization, then we're giving ourselves a kind of vitamin or a kind of empowerment that we couldn't have if we were dependent upon the external world to be or look a certain way. And so coming back to the blockages or the obstacles on the manifestation path, manifestation doesn't have to mean that we ignore what's going on in our realities in favor of this other realm. But just to consider that that other realm is also possible and perhaps might even have more creative potency than, you know, when we look at the material world from a spiritual perspective, the material is just a manifestation of like previous dreams and fantasies and things that have been dreamed into concrete being. So when we dream, we're actually tapping into a power source that is vaster than what already exists. And it's not that simple. We still live in a cultural world with rules and systems. And so just because I dream that I can go like running out naked into the middle of the street and nothing will come of it. If I do that, it may actually kind of cause a scene or I may get arrested or something like that because it goes against the cultural codes. And those cultural codes involve systems of power and all of that. So manifestation doesn't happen outside of the constraints of space and time and culture. But how are we going to play with that is the question. Here's one potential option. And this is about taking greater agency of your creative destiny with the structures that you choose to create. So there are situations in life which an external structure will create our compliance from more oppressive situations, systems of power, etc., to more simple things like arriving somewhere at a place and time that has been specified and scheduled. This archetype of structure and condition setting is 
kind of more unconscious and passive when we're following a track that already exists or that someone else has set up. And these things can be very convenient. This is how we create agreements and show up at the same place at the same time. So it's not necessarily, you know, it can be at an extreme, very oppressive and restrictive. And other times it's just kind of like a boundary that creates an experience. This is Saturn, right? In astrological terms. And when we form a relationship to this archetype and we begin to structure things, we can actually condition and engineer circumstances into our lives. And if we're consistent and if we're repetitive, we're conditioning ourselves. Part of what I did when I was first starting to study manifestation was that I really wanted to live a life that I valued. And I looked around me and I didn't really feel like my life reflected my values. And when I looked around at my life, if I were to emotionally respond to my current circumstances, it would be too disempowering. So I decided to visualize in a disciplined way every day and fill my body up with those chemicals and those feelings that my body, my brain doesn't know the difference if those things are real or not. I'm still having a chemical response to these visualizations and to these fantasies. In a sense, if I look back at it, I think it was a kind of imaginative tantra where it was really creating this kind of blissful, expansive state in my mind, right? And I believed that if I did that day in and day out for long enough, that I would start to run those chemicals in my body without having to try to run them. Because what I was doing was I was really prone to depression and I was using those visualizations to heal my depression in an imaginative way. And this was something that uh, no one said I could do. I just believed it would work. And it did, I would say. I don't have crippling depression like I used to when I was younger, and I've managed to create a life that is more aligned with my values. And part of why I relied so heavily on fantasy during that time was that my physical 3D life wasn't... Um, showing me enough symbols to inspire my sense of satisfaction. I had to actually look for things to be grateful for and like pave out that skill of like, okay, I'm going to be grateful for this and use my mind to find evidence of things to be grateful for, which then would spark a good emotional response in my body. Right. But I decided that I valued my feelings more than my concrete material reality. And that eventually I would create a concrete material reality around me that would spark good feelings and I wouldn't have to be so disciplined about my fantasy life. And again, that is the case. I'm actually really happy with my life right now. And I've found that the practice, the spiritual side of it is continuing to remember the source, to continue to be grateful, to continue continue to interact with this imaginative realm because it was never about the external world giving me permission to feel a certain way in the first place. Another thing to think about is that there's an idea with the creative process that inspiration just strikes, you know, it just happens on its own, that it's kind of luck or the muses deciding when to grace us. But 
doing this process that I'm sharing involves setting conditions for creativity or for manifestation to occur, like a bird collecting straws to make a nest. And some of these straws might be very clearly logical, like, oh, this makes sense that this would help me be creative. And some might be absurd and extravagant. Who knows? But we're collecting experiences and insights and conditions that will empower our creativity. And in so, we are taking greater agency over our own destiny. So what are these straws for the bird nest? I mean, you know, as an example for me, when I was writing a novel in like 2013 through 2015, I actually started it in a bedroom where I didn't have a desk. And the novel started coming to me, but I didn't have a desk. So I went to like an antique store And I bought a desk that I felt like I'd be inspired to write in. And I made my room feel beautiful. I set things up in my life so that I would be able to write. That's going to be unique for everyone. And depending on what your goals are and what your aesthetic and your sensibilities and your level of resources are, it's playing with what you have access to and starting from there. And then as we start to add in these accoutrements, these things, these conditions that are helping to set the stage for this character that we're playing out, the line between us playing a role and the role just being our life will start to thin. So of course, when it comes to manifestation, we're ideally we're manifesting things that are authentic to ourselves, right? We're not trying to manifest something that is not for us. And that takes self-knowledge, right? But if you really desire something, if something is really strong and it feels like part of your innate design and you just want to express it and you just want to live that dream, it's not going to feel inauthentic to play a role. It's just going to feel like you're claiming that part of yourself instead of waiting for it to happen at some point in the future. That's all. Let's talk about some complexities of dreaming. Because I love dreaming, but dreaming is a complex thing. And I know I just said the word complexities, and yes, it is complex. Dreams are not just wispy things. There's a lot that goes into them. There's a lot of psychic value that we place in them. And I'll come back to this in a moment. First, I want to say that the way that we're defining a dream or the dream the big dream, the universe, is that it actually wraps and informs around everything. You can imagine a cloud of essence that is informing everything that you feel and think and do. These are dreams that inform everything all of the time anyway. A building has specific dreams of what it is going to hold inside of it. A home has a dream that is specific. A prison has a dream that is specific and they're creating different experiences. A company has dreams of its reason for existing and what its mission is. A person has dreams of love that inform their willingness to give and receive love. These are abstract ideas and concepts 
that are floating in and out of physical material space that are influencing the physical material space. Kind of wild, right? We think that we can manifest and create things in this existence by just playing with the material. And certainly there's a lot that we can do with playing with the material world and altering our circumstances. But if it's not also matched or in alignment with a kind of abstract liminal dream space, I don't know. It seems like it's harder to do unless it's a purely physical thing. Like if I want to take a piece of paper off of my desk and go outside and put it on the ground, like I can just go do that. That's in the realm of material. If I want to increase my income or attract a partnership or clean the oceans or help there be a thriving bee population on the earth, you know, bigger dreams, there's things I'm going to need to do in the physical material world to match the dream, but there's also inspiration that I'm going to need to find from the dream. But here's the thing. When we're moving between what's already existing and the dream, there's so much psychological complexity, some of which I've already touched upon. The, the boldness to dream big, the fear of, am I not good enough? Is life not good enough already? Like, will it hurt to dream? Will I be disappointed if my dream doesn't come true? All of that stuff is part of this process. Disillusionment is something that can happen whenever we have illusions. Sometimes we don't aim high in terms of dreaming because we fear the disappointment, the bitterness, the failure. Or we might just have some confusion in between the conception of our dream and its realization. What are the physical, actionable, practical steps to get from point A to Z? We often dream of what we want as an end result without dreaming of how to get there also. So we are overly quick to estimate the dream as impossible or wishful thinking. Now, what if we used our dream space to also imagine the little details along the way? What would that do for us? And truthfully, most people do not dream the whole plan accurately from the very start of whatever they're manifesting even if this is something in the physical 3D world and our career something, what are we gonna do with our lives that's also you know, working with the unknown or the unmanifest? It's not like we know the whole picture from the start. We might have a conviction, right? But it may change. You can picture a misted mountaintop that someone is climbing. They can't actually see the summit and they can't actually see all the details and all the footholds along the mountain. When we're dreaming of something that's really big, it's a little bit abstract, and each step will become clearer in time. Every foothold becomes apparent to us as we are on the process of the dream. And going to the summit of this misty mountaintop is a creative adventure each step along the way, and it will present you with both challenges and victories. Once we become even aware of what it is that we want, what we dream, we're opening a door. The dream that we're in conversation with now has a way of dreaming us. 
the more that we feed the dream by imagining, the more it dreams us back by giving us images and inspirations and feelings, intuitions. Think of how much dream content stays locked away in a box because we simply don't open the box. If we don't believe that things are possible, why would we start to channel those possibilities, you know? Or perhaps we associate dreaming with being in the clouds and not actually doing anything. Don't just be in the dream world, you know, do something. There's stuff to do. And there's actually a time and place for both. If we fan the imagination and keep it going, we can also help the two realms of spirit and matter, the unseen and the seen, be in dialogue together. When we keep the dream alive, we access inspired ideas, words, and actions as we do physical things, as we get into character and play the role, etc., on the physical or the material plane. Here's another thing about getting into character to manifest things. So we've been talking a little bit about the importance of dream, the importance of investing energy emotionally and mentally in the dream and the imaginal space. But to avoid the potential for this to be a disappointing or a bitter process, I think something is also to be said about dreaming things into being where there's access points, where it's augmenting or adding on to something that is already innate or potential within us. So it's not to say be realistic in a very limiting way, but dream something authentic. The more authentic it is, the more alive it feels within us. And it's arguably part of our very design. But if I'm going to method act my way into being president, like me personally, that's just kind of one, like I don't even have the desire. It's just kind of one of those things you go to as a phrase, but also I don't think my life is set up for that to even be a possibility. I don't think that that's like where the trajectory of my life has been going. And so I say be realistic with a a really strong caveat that sometimes what we think is realistic is just cynical, but also to be aware of what's relevant. Relevance is probably a better word. Here's another thing. I'm so passionate about the things that I've been sharing thus far because I think that it's a bridge to make things possible in this reality that don't seem possible and not because they're actually not possible, but because convention or what already exists hasn't yet built a bridge. If we have a fantasy life, if we have a dream, it's not just there to be somewhere that we escape into or push away because it's too painful to dream or any of that. It's actually like a cloud of data that we can reach into and pull and bring down into earth through our character, through our identity, through our actions. And that's what I think manifestation really truly is. And so here's a few more thoughts about getting into character in the way that I've been describing it. One is research and apprentice. Let's say that along your way up this manifestation process, up this mountain, 
through this dream, you realize that there are certain skill sets that you need to have that you don't maybe have yet. An actor who would be researching a role might be doing the same thing. So you can totally study with someone or do research or get a mentor or do certain things that will empower you to gain the knowledge and the skills that you need to have to achieve your dream or to get into the role that you are playing. You can also study others who have done the same or a similar thing as to what you desire to manifest. And maybe it's also just an energetic quality that's very similar. I really like Lady Gaga because she had this vision of what she wanted to create in her career. She knew within her like what her destiny was and she moved towards it. She had this like fierce inner belief. I love reading biographies. I love reading stories or autobiographies by people who have done really amazing things because when I have a big dream or I have a really big goal, I want to surround myself in the company of people who have done really amazing things because what it does is it kind of shows my subconscious what's possible, but it also gives me conscious intellectual reference points to come back to of like, if that person did it, I can too, you know? Now in a more playful way, If you get into this space of your manifestation process and you imagine where you want to head, what is this version of you wearing? What does their environment look like? If you begin to develop details in your imagination about this character and then start to play those details out in the 3D, not only is it fun, but it starts to build a channel between that imaginal place where you contacted that version of yourself and this actual reality. Here's another thing. If the manifestation process and what you're creating, what you're bringing into being, this is really, in some sense, the digested material of what you've been absorbing, what you've been engaging with and interacting with. So it would help to have the right food or nutrients around as part of the experience of your manifestation. So that could be literal food. I love talking about food and nutrition, but I also mean the courtship of lifestyle shifts, symbols, and habits so that your dream or your creative or your manifesting self is looking back at you more often than not. It's one thing to write your mantras down and paste them to your wall. That's great. And I wouldn't say that you shouldn't do that. But you can also get into an imaginal space and picture what would you be surrounded with in this thing that you're manifesting in this dream or in this goal and design your life within the resource and capacity that you have. I think one example that I read of in a, um, when it comes to the desire to manifest romance, to call in that love or Eros energy, it can come down to looking at your house and feeling into if it feels romantic or sexy, or it's like your unique, authentic expression. If not, maybe you want to home decorate a little bit, do something that makes it feel and reinforce that mood that you're going for so that you're bringing it down into the material plane. Here's another thing. And this one is about problem solving. I've talked a lot about obstacles because I think that 
working with manifestation is all about working with obstacles. Again, if there weren't any obstacles, the thing that we were you know, manifesting would already be here. Sometimes it's a matter of time, right? And that's the only obstacle, but thinking about what is the, what's the gap between you and what you seek? Really being curious about that. And so the intent or goal-driven artist or manifester will often come up against creative problems. Really none of which or most of which are, they're not meant to stop you. At least they can redirect you or inform you, but they're worth engaging with and not simply ignoring or trying to bulldoze over. An early mistake would be to identify with the problem as a static reality. Some problems are more difficult than others, but each are rewarding and hold great reserves of energy within them. Instead, we might cultivate a curiosity toward the problem and pose an open-ended question to a larger power the universe, the mystery, your guides. And so whether you work directly on the problem or get distracted, go do something else, often an answer will appear into your consciousness or find you in the environment by synchronicity. So, you know, the light bulb moment happens when you've stepped away or You go out, you have an experience, and you meet someone who says something that unlocks the question that you were just posing. We have to get receptive to hear the answers, and that's basically what prayer is about. By asking the question, you're actually allowing the unseen realm to dialogue with you and present you with an answer. And... Not only does the unseen realm dialogue with your question, but it will show itself an inextricable relationship to your question, meaning that different questions will yield different answers. Imagine what information is available if only a question which is the key is posed, that otherwise, without that key, without that question, it remains locked away as unknowable. The right question will take us pretty far. And you might also frame your question in such a way that you're excited for the response or you find a more animated and enlivening answer. As an example, instead of asking, how can I stop being so lazy? You could ask, how could I be inspired to be more creative? Another thing about getting into role to manifest is that we are closing the gap between arriving and the arrival. So if you were to identify right now a process in your life that you're working on, something that's in progress, people often will preface these things with, I'm working on blank rather than I already am blank. So I'm working on communicating better rather than I'm already a good communicator. And this is actually an authentic expression of being in the middle of something. So it can be honest. There's nothing like intrinsically wrong with it. But when we're getting into character and when we're manifesting for our purposes, we want to act into the feeling of what it would look like to already have arrived. Our arrival often occurs because we feel enough evidence of having arrived. So getting into character is a way to manufacture that evidence either through fantasy or ideally a combination between fantasy and concrete symbols. So 
It doesn't have to be like a hot air kind of thing where you're just saying something, but your life doesn't actually reflect it. Claim that you are something and then act as that. That's it. So consider what symbols or events would signify your arrival. And so symbols can mean a lot of different things. For example, maybe if my desire, what I want to manifest is about confidence, maybe a certain outfit is a symbol of that confidence. And you might think, oh, I would wear that if I felt good about myself. Well, wear it before you feel good about yourself. You know, that kind of thing, that kind of play. You can choose really superficial symbols to merge with to strengthen the core vibration of what you wish to accomplish. And superficial is interesting to use here because it it might just be practical or it might be... Hmm, The example I'm thinking of is developing a morning writing routine where you sit down to write for an hour each day and you have this ceremonial way of setting up the space. That on one layer is superficial. It doesn't matter what you're writing. You've just set the stage. You've created the appearance. But in that superficiality, in that space, you open up this vast realm of possibility for something to occur, right? Or when I wear that outfit that symbolizes my confidence, it's superficial. It's an outfit, but it has such potent psychological or spiritual or soulful meaning to me that it's actually not that superficial. You could show up to your creative process to write at home in costume instead of wearing sweats if that made you feel fun and got you into that character of I'm doing something magnificent right now, you know? You could do a professional photo shoot that will be your writer's bio picture on the novel that you're writing. You know, (laughs) you could be promiscuous with your symbolic acts. I'm going to start to wrap up here to say that this is a very complex topic. There's so many factors that go into manifestation. And most of what I've wanted to share today is that you can get into a role and you can have fun with it. You can be resourceful with what you already have access to, and you can resource your dream and imaginal realm to get ideas. And that when you anchor those ideas into actions and things that you do on this plane of reality, that you are living that dream into being. I've also wanted to express that manifestation does not come without its difficulties, without its obstacles, and that manifestation isn't about being blind to our own psychological blocks, our own edges. It's also not about being blind to social structures of power or privilege or things like that. And I think that this is one of the main things that has made people hesitant or skeptical of manifestation is that it can be thrown around in such a a superficial or kind of pop culture-y kind of way when it's actually at a deeper level, a force in the universe, the universe manifests and creates things all the time. We have access to that power as well. And it is nowhere near a superficial process. It's very deep. And yet the avenue of play, whether we are just having fun or getting into a role and playing, 
creates a portal for this creativity to occur. Whenever I'm facing some kind of challenge, you know, I can go through that challenge as myself, who's feeling really challenged and triggered, or I could conjure up a new dimension of myself who is whatever quality I need to be to fulfill that task and play it out in a different way. I don't always do this. I don't always remember it. Sometimes I just struggle or whatever, but I do think this is immensely valuable to come back to if there's something in your life that you feel you want to create, you want to bring into being, but your current personality and your current ego just can't accomplish it. What if you created a new version of yourself who could? And what if you considered that person that you're being, not this extra thing that you're adding onto yourself, nothing inauthentic. Think of it like a slab of marble or something and you're shaping out from the marble this being that is already in you, but you're bringing it to the surface and you're radiating it out. You're connecting with that. That's what this is about. And so it does require a certain sense of confidence in the self, which can be very real and very embodied, or it can be flirted with first as an idea. I'm going to pretend to be confident. What would the confident version of myself do and feel like and think and start doing those things like you're playing a game until it becomes real? At that level, it's so simple and so playful and yet also so very profound. Thank you for listening. I would love to know what you think about this episode. Get in touch with me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a little bit and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review. You can leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot before you click submit. Email that over to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. And I'm working on a free gift for podcast reviewers. And I will take your email down and send that to you when it is ready. If you're new here and you haven't checked out my astrology writing, I would recommend going over to monarchastrology.com, getting on my mailing list. Um, the weekly forecasts are very detailed and um, I write them to open up portals of opportunity and intimacy with the cosmos as these celestial events are unfolding. And it is one of my favorite things to do. Every Saturday, I sit down and I write the forecast pretty much every Saturday, unless I'm traveling or something like that. Um, but it's a, it's a ritual. I get into a space and channel information about astrology, basically, and then share that with you all. All right. I hope that you have a beautiful week and that something from this episode was empowering or permission giving for you on your manifestation process. 